you got to take in life. If you don't take, then I can't give. It has to be reciprocal, and that builds trust. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Inspiring Leaders podcast brought to you by Ubiquity.coach. I'm your host and executive coach, Terry Lepofsky, and it's great to be back here with you for our 99th episode. Regular listeners will know that I'm a dad of two awesome young ladies that have grown up in the blink of an eye, and they're now both off at university becoming future leaders. While I reflect back on the job that I did to prepare them for the future, I've been hugely impressed with the job that today's guest is doing in creating a sustainable community in his hometown in Kingston, Ontario. Dan Hendry is the manager of community-based learning at St. Lawrence College and the Sustainable Initiatives Coordinator at Limestone District School Board in Kingston. Rather than complaining about what's going wrong in this world, Dan's the kind of guy who looks for how he can help make things better. Over the last few years, Dan noticed that school kids were getting driven to school every day by their parents, and that fewer kids seemed to be taking the bus. So rather than complaining about it, he did something that's impressed a lot of people, including me. What he did is even won some awards along the way. What did he do? Well, before we get into Dan's story, let me welcome him to the show. Dan Hendry, welcome to the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. Thanks for having me, Terry. You and I have worked together on a few initiatives, and I'm really glad that you've agreed to join us here on the show today. But before we start explaining the rest of the story, give us a snapshot of what motivates you, Dan. Who or what inspires you? The what inspires me is the need for action. My brain's now been built to see how things are put together. And there's a lot of things that have been put together by other humans, generations before us, and on generations before that. And I think they're not relevant systems, the processes, the culture we've put around some of these things isn't relevant and we need to change. Adaptation is how things survive. And I think we've separated ourselves as a species, 7.7 billion people. We can do what we want on this planet. We're running up against physics and we can't. So there's lots of things we can do. And I kind of work my day to day in that story, trying to figure out how to make things more efficient and change and keep up with the times. Well, you know, Dan, I mentioned that you're a person of action, and I really respect that about you. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing in Kingston, Ontario, that benefited the kids there, and especially the community in general. A lot of communities across Canada are looking at us now. It's been eight years since the evolution of a high school bus path program in Kingston, Ontario. And it started through political leadership. It wasn't me in the room at that time, but that leadership enabled what has happened. There's been a lot of learning across the board. What we do in Kingston, Ontario, now grade 9, 10, 11, and 12, students ride for free on transit. Something that I've done for those eight years is taught every single grade 9 student at every high school in our community how to ride on a bus with a bus driver, talking about it, talking about the social, environmental health benefits. And through the free bus pass, as well as the orientation, We've seen tremendous growth in ridership for high school students. Yeah. I see a lot of adults. I'm an adult too. They'll say, oh, that's cute. Kids are on the bus. And all I think about is where they're going. Are they going to the doctors, the friends, sports, recreation, 
They're going to jobs, their first date, they're going to school. It's freedom, it's human, it's life. And that's why it's so successful by coupling with what they need, which is orientation and showing them how, making sure they feel comfortable, working through them with humor and logic, as well as providing them with passes. We've created a culture in our high schools that take advantage of this. I'm now trying to promote as much as I can of how we can help others. I've taken so many phone calls from communities across Canada saying, oh, well, what about this? And how it opened up so much for our community. You seem to have noticed something that I think a lot of people didn't really think deeply in. The thing that impressed me was that you noticed that they weren't familiar enough with the process of riding a bus. I grew up riding buses, so I kind of forgot what it was that I didn't know. But there's a lot to it, and there's a lot more to it than when I used to ride the buses. So what is it that you actually teach them when you're doing this? First, I start them off in front of the bus. Yeah. They might have a bike. That might be how they get to school. And there's a bike rack. First time I used the bike rack with 40 people looking at me, cars zooming by, I was sweating. It was so intimidating. Breaking that down and showing them how is super easy. How was it intimidating? I don't get it. Well, there's just 40 people looking at you. You're unsure how to do something simple. They're all waiting for you. The transit operator is looking at you. Can't come off the bus. Cars are going by. It's just generally overwhelming. It's not obvious. When you get and you do it, it's super easy. When you have all these other variables that are quite stressful. Right. I wouldn't put it on a 14-year-old, let alone a 30-year-old. <laughs> yeah. So it's something that I think that type of thing. But when you're on the bus, you think of all the small things. And it's not just how to use the bus. No, it's how to stop it. What type of app can you use your map? How do you plan your route? How to put up the seat if someone comes on the bus with a wheelchair, so to be courteous. Or not to wear a backpack or what you can eat and what you can't. Just general respect, things that will enable them to feel comfortable. You've got a story about somebody eating on the bus, don't you? Oh, yeah. I've heard this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to tell us the story. It's great. Yeah, no problem. And this is the small things. I always try to make it humorous. Keep in mind, they're now informed by thousands and thousands of questions I've had from students. Yeah. So I'm just basically answering all those questions I've done for the past eight years in trying a, a humorous, but hopefully empowering way. Yeah. And one way is just through story. Going through Queen's campus, I saw a guy get on the bus. He sat beside me, and he's eating a bowl of cereal, like a porcelain bowl of Lucky Charms. <laughs> he's slurping his cereal. So this is a great point where I tell the students that they laugh. Yeah. If you see their eyes, you know what? You can eat on the bus, but be respectful. Be reasonable. Yeah. Little things like that. Yes, you're hamming it up, but I did see that. So I'm not going to bring a full rack of barbecue ribs on the bus next time, am I? <laughs> no, exactly. Those are the things where yeah. you're never going to get everyone in public, right? But hopefully by doing all this training and them learning together and be respectful, they just get this freedom. They also feel empowered. I'm not stopping them from buying a car. For them, they go to a larger city. They go to travel Europe. Wherever they go, they have one more tool, one more skill set. Think about the kids that maybe a few years ago didn't know exactly what to do. They weren't exactly sure how to pay when they were getting on the bus. They weren't sure how to stop the bus at the destination that they wanted to get to, or even how to look up the route information. 100%. And so they're relying on friends or maybe parents to drive them around, but that makes them, I would suspect, a little less likely to get out in the community and do things, volunteering or, or part-time job. 100%. So is this the kind of result that you're seeing? Are you seeing a change in the behavior in the community in general? Several things. Year after year, we get between 550, 600,000 
by high school students. How many? 550 uh, to 600,000. Like, it's incredible. 600,000 rides out of this program that you're, wow. Our population is like 125,000. Yeah, yeah. It's a robust and it's a good transit system for our city size. So I'm really proud of that. It shows that they're using it because they need it. They want it. And it's giving them that freedom. That honestly, the way we built our environment, unless you have a car, it's not always that accessible. That's a huge growth in transit use. It's amazing. That's why we're getting people getting across Canada and reaching out saying, how are you doing this? What's your secret sauce? But focusing on youth, enabling it, found that youth can teach up, but it's hard to me to go to you, Terry, and say, okay, you know, you should use the bus now, Terry. And you say, well, Dan, no, I don't really want to. But, yeah. you know, if your kid who's in grade, you know, four says, hey, mom, I just took the bus for a field trip and it was really neat. Could we do it sometime? I think you'd be more apt to kind of be engaged with that. And that's what we're seeing there. I can tell you that I've seen out of those, let's say 600,000 rides almost, and it's not perfect, but about 50% are before and after school time. So we judge that by Monday through Friday, uh, seven to nine in the morning or three to five in the afternoon. Yeah. But the other 300,000 rides are not, right? That could be sometimes during the school day. So you're enabling things like cooperative education yeah. or after the school day. So sport or job. But you know what? Almost like usually every year there's, well, you know, 40, 50,000 per month in, in, in the summer, July and August. That's helping that part where it's not just the school year. It's, it's their freedom of summer. And that's hopefully jobs, volunteering, and just being just being kids, right? Just getting out into a community that's made of concrete. But also contributing to the community as well. 100%. Getting them around it. So I'm really proud of what we put together here. And as I said in my intro, the reality of what I've seen and learned about the environment. And the, I think this is a great example of taking such a big, complex issue. Like I have a background understanding sustainability and climate change and saying, how do I change? That's a big thing. That's a systemic thing. That's the earth. And now where I'm at with this is we perfect it in our own community. And now we just want to share it. Like we've talked at conferences at the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, or I actually just did a TEDx in Ottawa about this topic. Yeah, you did a bang up job on that one. Man, you got a lot of applause on it. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it's usually because <laughs> I'm sweating a bit awkward, I think. But no, I tried really hard and I appreciated the opportunity. But all of these things for me now, it's about getting the story, enabling others to do something similar because it is possible. And it's changed the lives of so many families, so many students, so many kids. It's just something that I think is needed to do. And that's why I want to promote it as much and talk about it and help others. It's not just bragging. And I've taken phone calls at 11 o'clock at night. We got in the Nimo. Yeah. He texted or emailed. And I said, call me right now. I got a bit of time. Yeah. Because my wife was doing some work. And, and I talked to him for 45 minutes. I'm willing to because it can reduce greenhouse gases. It can improve kids' health. It can do so much. I just want to see it grow. I got to tell you a quick story here in Ottawa. There is a house. I think the folks that are in there must be renters because they really don't take care of the place. The shingles are falling off the roof. There are vines growing all over the side of it, going straight into the bathroom vent system. Yeah. The hedges are overgrown. The fence is falling down. The list goes on and it's pretty obvious to me that these are not owners. Now, can you imagine if that was the only place that you ever could live? Would you let it go to pot like that? Well, the truth of the matter is, we're living in the only home that we really can ever live in. Yeah. This planet of ours is something that we need to take care of. We need to maintain it. We need to make sure it's sustainable. And this is one of the things that I love about what you're doing. You're helping kids get onto public transit so that there are fewer cars, there are fewer greenhouse gases, and you're actually helping your community to sustain itself. Thanks, Terry. It's an amazing project that I think that you're doing. 
And I think one of the things that it says to me in a very loud voice is that leadership is not just about the corner suite in the big buildings downtown. Leadership is about what it is that we do every single day to make this a better place and to make things better for ourselves and for those people around us. That's what you're doing. And that's why I asked you to be on this episode. Dan, this has really been amazing. Thank you so much for filling us in on a lot of this stuff. Before we let you go, I've got two more questions for you. Are you okay with that? Yeah, 100%. Okay, so here's the first one. What advice would you like to offer people out there from your perspective as a community leader? Take time to build trust. Sometimes I find we're so busy, and I see it myself, moving on to the next task, the never-ending tasks, the emails coming at night, the text, the LinkedIn messages, however it's coming. I'm not a rich man, Terry. I'll tell you that much right now. My wife could echo that. I'm rich in heart, I guess. Mm -hmm. I read this article. There was an entrepreneur from Hong Kong, and even when he wasn't a billionaire, his advice was take time, take your budget, and buy people lunch and coffee and get to know people. Yeah. And I make an active effort in my community. doesn't matter in healthcare. It could be the commissioner of the city. Big, small, it doesn't matter where they come from, but different networks of people. I care about people. I think I'm earnest in that way. It bites you sometimes, but I always get back up. I'm getting more a rich experience out of it. It takes time to build trust. Two or three days a week, I'll make sure I have a meeting with somebody that I don't know. I don't ask anything from them. I just want to know them. I want to know what they do what the network is, what they care about, why they like Kingston. Because there you have, then all of a sudden you're back pocket. Like I can, Terry might have some good ideas on that. You just build this robust network of caring people. But I think it's really important. Just take the time to get to know people, not just what they do. It's uh, funny what you say. I think you exemplify this. In the time that I've known you, I've really grown to trust you. Something further, if you don't mind me adding something to this, I think trust is a choice. You choose to trust people instead of looking for what's wrong, just sort of assuming that things are going to be positive. And I really do think that trust is one of those fundamental elements when it comes to things like engagement and when it comes to things like inspiration. Trust is a very, very key part of that. So thank you for that. I have one other quick story, if you don't mind. Of course. My father, he's an amazing man, kind, and he never takes... He loves cookies. And if we go to my aunt's house, she just made fresh cookies. Yeah. She'd say, Dave, do you want some cookies? And he'd say, oh, no. He's got a deep voice. Right? No, oh, no, 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 thank you. I know inside he would eat them all. <laughs> but what he taught me, I execute it all the time. It's just part of who I am now. Yeah. You got to take in life. Because if you don't take something, so I don't mean take in a bad way. If you don't take, then I can't give. It has to be reciprocal. And that builds trust. I'm not talking about money or anything corrupt, anything like that. I just mean, if someone buys you a beer and say thank you, it'll come back. And I think he taught me just through his action. You always have to pay real attention, but you always take a little bit and you always give a little bit because that allows the other person to give and for yourself to give when they're taking it. That's insight. That's awesome. Love that advice, Dan. That's really good. Okay, listen, I got one final question for you. What does inspired leadership mean to Dan Hendry? It means that if I call you, or if I email you based upon our relationship, you will want to get back to me. And what I mean by that is not work-related, that hopefully you have trust and care enough about me that if able, you'll see, oh, man, what does he need? What does he want? How can he help? How can I help him? Maybe he's got an idea for me. So that idea that in our busy lives is so much information, that somebody will take the time. Time is the most precious resource we all have. We don't pay attention to that, but it is. 
somebody will take the time to care about me, to answer me. Anytime I get a card from someone, I don't break down in tears, but I get close sometimes because I think that somebody is sitting away from me at a different spot and they're thinking of me in their time. They're thinking of something I did or said and just giving them time. If people want to give you their time, I think to me, tying into your ability to be an inspired leader. Love it. You are Sustainable Dan on Twitter. Yes, sir. And I'm going to make sure that I've got all of your contact details in the show notes for anybody who wants to follow up with you on this. And I know that you tend to be like the Pied Piper out there. You've got a long line of people following you. Those contact details will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking time from your day, Dan for joining us here in the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. Thanks for having me, Terry. There you have it, gang. Another fantastic community leader right here on the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your busy day to tune in and learn from the perspectives that we showcase right here for you on this podcast. We love our listeners, people like Tammy Ramirez, who wrote in after listening to episode 94 on well-being with Radicalaria. And she said, wow, what a go-getter. Radha came across so full of joy and wisdom, gathered from an experience few would care to walk. Well, Tammy, thank you for those comments. And I want to encourage everyone to take a minute from your day and leave us your comments or ratings on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, or at ubiquity.coach slash podcast. Just a reminder, we will be taking our annual time off for the holiday season through December. So happy holidays to all of our listeners, and we'll be back in the new year with episode number 100. Take care, everyone, and bye for now.